Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Last week, we uh, talked to the company behind a massive new helium project in southern Alberta. Could be a very big deal in the near future, depending on how things go. It's sort of in the exploratory phases right now. But today, we're going to talk about another sector that we've talked a lot more about before, more than helium, that is hydrogen, often mentioned as a key component in the energy transition. And the province has invested in it pretty heavily already. Uh, more than $115 million announced just in November, for example. Uh, the industry pretty established in Alberta, but the next year or so is going to be big to see exactly where we go with hydrogen and how much of a role it's going to play in, in whatever's around the corner. So to talk about that, we have David Lazel joining us. He is an energy systems architect with the Transition Accelerator, a nonprofit organization set up to help Canada reach its climate goals. And he's also a professor emeritus in biological sciences at the University of Calgary. David, thanks for joining us. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. It's good to be here. So now hydrogen, of course, as I said, not new, something we've been talking about for a while, but it seems we're, are, are we getting to a point now where it's kind of like make a call or get out of the phone booth? Like we need to, we've, we've, we've heard about what it can do and now we want to see, okay, let's see it do it. Absolutely. I think this is, this is the year that 2023 is going to be a year that many of us have been working uh, towards for the last three or four years to try to bring in the um, technologies here like buses and trucks and trains that are going to actually test whether hydrogen can really work in, in real-world Canadian conditions. And you can't get any more real-world Canadian conditions than in Edmonton, Alberta. Exactly. So where are we? I mean, those kind of test projects, those pilot projects, have they started? Certainly they've started. The buses, actually, uh, for the Edmonton Transit and uh, Strathcona County Transit uh, Systems have already received the buses. Uh, they're they're just waiting. You know, they're, they're being tested a little bit now because we haven't quite got the fueling station fully built yet. And uh, But that fueling station should be coming online uh, in the Edmonton region within the next uh, three weeks or so. And, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a long haul to get to because you've got to have the whole value chain there before you can actually start to run these uh, vehicles. And, uh, and that fueling station will be coming online, and we're going to see those buses actually running regular routes in Strathcona and in Edmonton uh, very soon. And we'll hear more about that in the next couple of weeks. Excellent. Okay. Um, Yep, so that's one example, and, and we've got the Alberta Motor Transport Association, which is headquartered in Edmonton as well, has been very active in in bringing in a lot of different hydrogen-fueled trucks that will be, uh, be tested uh, and made available to their members to actually try out and uh, and see how they work uh, in, in actually addressing the needs of the carriers uh, to actually deliver goods in the region and uh, testing the performance of these vehicles compared to the traditional diesel vehicles. And and they, again, will be using the, the fueling station that will be coming online very soon. What about, uh, in, you know, I mean, having the vehicles, what about producing the hydrogen, the cost of producing the hydrogen? Where do we stand in terms of its cost effectiveness? Have we brought that down to where it makes sense? Well, 
probably Edmonton in Alberta is one of the lowest cost places on the planet to produce uh, hydrogen. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of hydrogen uh, being produced in the Edmonton region right now, over over 2,000, somebody between two and 3,000 tons of hydrogen per day. Uh, which is a lot of hydrogen. and But that's all used. It's used to crack bitumen into synthetic crude oil. It's used to make fertilizer ammonia. It's used in oil refineries to upgrade oil into gasoline and diesel. What we're talking about is piggybacking on that capacity and moving the hydrogen and into uh, as a fuel directly, as a fuel itself. Now, what it has to be done in order to make sense to be used as a fuel for zero emission, we have to make the hydrogen uh, without uh, greenhouse gas emissions. And air products uh, in the Edmonton region is investing, you know, something like one and a half, one point six billion or so, in building a new uh, uh, auto thermal reformer plant. Uh, just northeast of, of uh, Edmonton, and that plant, within two years from now, will be producing hydrogen with some of the lowest carbon intensities uh, in the world. And uh, and the beauty of it is, is that what they do is they ca- they use produce it from natural gas, capture the carbon dioxide, and sequester it. And the Edmonton region actually has CO2 pipelines and and uh, has some of the most extensive uh, carbon capture and storage capability in the world. Uh, and and piggybacking on that, it's possible to produce hydrogen at probably at lower cost than the wholesale cost of producing diesel fuel today. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, so it's actually quite promising in the production side. Right. We're still early, but I mean, obviously, like, like you say, some really good indicators there. Absolutely. The big challenge, of course, is is moving hydrogen around. That's, yeah, I mean, that always, yeah. always seems to be the, the the barriers. Like it's extremely dangerous and extremely expensive to transport this stuff. Exactly. Yes, and so and so a lot of what the work that's being done now to test it in these vehicles is to also test the uh, the technologies for uh, compressing it and moving it around, making it available. The air products facility will be producing. Um, a fair amount of hydrogen as liquid hydrogen, where they're going to drop the temperature of the hydrogen to 253 degrees below zero, that's Celsius. And at that temperature, hydrogen becomes a liquid, and it can be transported by truck more easily. But it takes a lot of energy to achieve that. Uh, The other possibility is moving it as compressed gas on trucks or trains, but also possible to move it in pipelines. And we are um, many conversations going on and some projects uh, being developed now that hopefully in the next few years we'll see some early pilots for Canada for all three of those, uh, you know, those uh, technologies to move it around. Particular interest is the moving of hydrogen in pipelines, and uh, that would make it available for a much lower cost if, if we can get the scale of hydrogen transport and production and transport up, so it can be moved by pipeline. Um, that's what I was going to ask in terms of scaling up dramatically, right? If we, if we want to see hydrogen become a, a widespread alternative in terms of you know transportation and everything else, rather than this kind of like you know small niche, almost experimental stage. I mean, how how what's the timeline on that, and how big of a challenge is it to scale up? Well, I think it's a it's kind of a cart and horse problem we have, right? Uh, what we are trying to do is is provide fueling stations and the whole supply chain, as well as the vehicles that are going to be using it, and that's going to be tested in the early stages in the next 12 months uh, to two, two years or so. At the same time, we're looking forward and saying, you know, if these vehicles are attractive to the 
to the companies that are buying vehicles and leasing vehicles and using them in their normal operations, we have an opportunity to scale up much more quickly. Instead of talking about one, two, or three vehicles, we can be starting to talk about you know tens and hundreds uh, to go on, on the road. Our focus right now is actually on the Calgary-Edmonton corridor. This is for moving trucks and trains uh, between Calgary and Edmonton. There are 5,000 Class 8 heavy-duty trucks every day that travel that corridor. And if we could even get 10% of them to be using hydrogen as a fuel, that would actually justify the installation of some significant fueling stations at both ends and perhaps in between and really start to demonstrate the economic viability of getting to scale. And we are hoping that by the end of this decade, we will see many tens, maybe even 50 fueling stations across Western Canada that would link towards a uh, essentially a, a hydrogen corridor that would link for heavy-duty trucking and trains that would link Winnipeg right through to Vancouver, all across Alberta, of course, and Saskatchewan, where it could, um, where there'd be an opportunity for the province and the region to um, not only use the hydrogen but actually produce hydrogen, both from natural gas, from wind and solar production, where they could actually we have really good wind and solar in southern Alberta, and and we can make hydrogen from that electricity and really start to create a, a new vibrant economy uh, based on a zero-emission uh, transportation fuel. Um, where, in terms of making this happen, where does government fit in and are, you know, the various levels of government doing what needs to be done? I mentioned that, you know, the Alberta government has invested quite heavily in this. Yes. Um, are, are we seeing government step up and, and help move this forward? Well, the federal government's also stepped up, and I think there's been a reasonably good coordination between federal and provincial efforts in this area. The federal government's recently announced $547 million for uh, zero-emission heavy, medium- and heavy-duty trucks, and hydrogen are uh, some of those uh, that could be where they can help to purchase uh, those trucks. Uh, they've been investing in... They've been obviously investing in the low-carbon hydrogen production with Air Products. We've heard about it on the yeah, media. Yeah. We've uh, we've heard about uh, um, the investments in in the bus, the two buses. Uh, they they've been uh, uh, supported by government funds. It's really important at this stage, a very early stage, when the vehicles are being made in one, two, and ten at a time, that they're going to be more expensive than the right, incumbent sure. diesel vehicles, and the government has to come in and help subsidize this. It's not reasonable to ask uh, private companies that are, you know, make their business moving people or moving freight to uh, pay for this extra cost uh, for moving to zero emission fuels. But are the estimates from all the sources are that as we go to producing more and more of these vehicles, the price will come down dramatically. And there is a strong evidence that these electric drive vehicles, many of these are electric drive, they're going to be a much lower maintenance, have a longer life, uh, they have many fewer moving parts, and we should see cost parity reached on the total cost of ownership of these vehicles, hopefully by the end of this decade. And and at that point, then, no more gov- government subsidy is needed. We've, we've actually crossed the chasm, if you like, and we're starting to, companies will want these vehicles because they're more cost-effective. 
Yeah, and like you say, that that's the way it works with any kind of new innovation, right? I mean, it's going to be really expensive at the front end when you're doing exactly. it. You know, but but we know that the cost will eventually come down. It always does. Exactly, and that's that is the hope. Um, now, I think these. The governments that we've been talking to, uh, you know, obviously the Alberta government and the federal government, but also we're very much in discussion with other provincial governments across Canada and municipal governments. Uh, they seem to be aligned on the desire to uh, take a bit of a risk now to test these vehicles, put them through their paces, and if they work well, and we're very hopeful they will, then the companies that rely on these vehicles for their income and will be willing to sign up and and transition. And my hope is that the you know the public will recognize that these companies are stepping out and doing that extra and uh, and reward them with their business. Um, doctor, one last question: in, uh, the way that hydrogen is being used in these buses and these trucks that you're talking about is it is it like a replacement for gasoline? Is it still a combustion engine? Is it a, a hydrogen fuel cell? I mean, how's it being used? There are two two technologies. Um, the, the one technology is um, is to basically blend hydrogen or put hydrogen on a diesel vehicle and do hydrogen diesel dual fuel. And we there are a number of companies, uh, some actually in the Alberta and Edmonton region, and some in, in uh, Vancouver, that are uh, have this technology and have it on trucks. And we're, we'll be testing, the you know, Alberta Motor Transport Association is uh, leading a, a group to actually put these, uh, these um, vehicles through the test. Uh, we're working with uh, the University of Alberta, a research group there, the, to actually do detailed analytics on these uh, vehicles on the, on the road to check out, you know, how much are the greenhouse gas emissions actually reduced? And what about other air pollutants that come out of the tailpipe of diesel trucks? Do we reduce them as well, like particulates and NOx? Sure, yeah. So those are the tests that will be done in the next year. Uh, these, and, and we can, our estimate is that we should be able to reduce emissions 25 to 30 percent, uh, maybe even higher to 40 to 50 percent. And, and, and so that's the early adopters of many vehicles because we have over 100,000 Class 8 trucks in this province, and we could uh, switch over a proportion of those to the hydrogen diesel dual fuel for relatively low cost and and actually see some real uh, benefit um, in, in reducing emissions, but also in building out the hydrogen infrastructure. The next, we are also looking, like with the buses and with some hydrogen trucks that uh, that are being brought into the province, uh, some hydrogen fuel cell electric drivetrains. And these are like the trains as well that are coming in. And these are basically, hydrogen is is used as a fuel on board, but it goes through a fuel cell, which is very efficient at converting that hydrogen into electricity. Okay, It produces a bit of heat. And then basically we have an electric vehicle. And it really, those vehicles are piggybacking on the incredible improvements in electric vehicle technologies and plug-in electric. And the you know, the benefits, improvements in motor design, in battery storage, in, you know, the software for controlling electric vehicles and uh, that, you know, that these are uh, really superb technological advances in the last eight years or so. They, they will flow directly into hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicles as well. Gotcha. These vehicles will have a longer range and, uh, and actually, in many cases, you can actually have more energy on board and more power to pull the heavy loads. 
Wow, amazing stuff. And like you say, this year will will tell us a lot. Uh, Dr. Lazel, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate your time today. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, that's very educational. I mean, we, we talk a lot about uh, hydrogen. I learned a lot about hydrogen from Dr. David Lazel there, an energy systems architect with the Transition Accelerator and a professor emeritus in biological sciences at the University of Calgary. And like he says, we're at the infancy here for a lot of this stuff, right? This year we'll sort of tell whether it can actually be scaled up and used into the kind of things that we're talking about here. But that technology is going to move fast. If, if it does prove effective, um, that's going to be just uh, a real growth area. And and as I said, uh, the Alberta government way out in front on this. Uh, so is the federal government investing heavily. So something to watch in the coming year. Hi, it's Shauna. And I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan. And I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. (laughs) For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.